Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this uh, Euractiv uh, hybrid conference, uh, Building Back Better Following a Turbulent January. My name is uh, Georgi Gotov. Uh, I'm a journalist with uh, Euractiv, and uh, I cannot uh, start this session without uh, expressing uh, uh, my solidarity uh, with the people of Ukraine and also my sympathy for the innocent uh, victims uh, during the sad uh, January events. Uh, but let's, let's move forward. Uh, we have a great panel. Uh, uh, we have three panelists uh, present and uh, two uh, professors joining, joining us online. Uh, we have an audience, a physical audience, uh, here in Brussels in our, uh, in our office and uh, a larger audience uh, online. In terms of uh, housekeeping, uh, you will be able to ask uh, questions. Uh, I have here a magic uh, tablet uh, where I will read uh, your questions. Uh, the system is called uh, Slido and those online, uh, you, you will see the Slido on your screens while those present here, you have instructions uh, uh, at your seats uh, how, how to use the system. Um, and I see that the system already works. So, uh, without further ado, uh, we will start. Uh, we will uh, uh, have some, uh, uh, I would say, sh rather short initial uh, statements to allow for uh, a discussion, uh, both between the panelists, but also uh, engaging with uh, the audience. And uh, uh, I will uh, uh, give the floor without further ado to uh, Roman Vasilenko, uh, Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs of uh, Kazakhstan. Uh, we know each other for many years. I think we, we have been through a lot of uh, important moments in, 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 uh, in the development of, of the country. Uh, I'm glad that you are back at your position in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. You have been ambassador to Slovakia for uh, three years, two years, and uh, yeah, it was a short stint, but I think the Ministry needs you uh, today. Uh, you have the floor, sir. Thank you very much, uh, dear Georgi. Uh, uh, a great pleasure to be here with you and uh, to address the audience here in Brussels and uh, online. Um, I am indeed here to um, talk about uh, the efforts that our president and our government are implementing to overcome the consequences of what was uh, a shocking event for us uh, in uh, the beginning of January. And uh, I am happy to say that uh, our president has decided to respond to these uh, uh, shocking events by doubling down on reforms, by vowing to build a new Kazakhstan meaning uh, a more uh, resilient, more open and more diversified economy that offers opportunities for all, not just the privileged few. That um, uh, new Kazakhstan also means a more fair society, which uh, provides for the opportunities for even the most disadvantaged to share in the wealth of the country. And, of course, uh, that means a more agile, uh, competitive political system that also allows more opportunities for people to participate in the affairs of the state and to decide 
uh, how to run the country. Um, on all three uh, directions, the president has set out uh, his vision. Uh, the most significantly, he set out this vision in um, uh, his State of the Nation address, which was moved six months earlier and which was delivered on March 16th. It's called uh, New Kazakhstan, the Path of Renewal and Modernization. Uh, the main message, the main thrust of the president's uh, reform agenda is to turn Kazakhstan from a super presidential republic into a presidential republic with a strong parliament. Uh, overall, up to 30 amendments will be introduced into our constitution and about 20 more laws will be introduced before the end of the year. Uh, the depth and the scope of these reforms even allowed our president to call what he's planning to, uh, to do in Kazakhstan, to call it a second republic. Uh, some may argue how deeply these reforms go, but I think this is um, uh, very significant. And I think indeed uh, the president's speech on uh, March the 16th was perhaps one of the most historic and important ones of his presidency. On uh, um, And I'm not going to go into details. I have a speech prepared for like 45 minutes, but of course, I, I, for the sake of saving time, I cannot list all of those reforms. But uh, I, I'm, I will just mention that, again, the bottom line is uh, there will be a more competitive political system uh, that will allow for more uh, open process for registration of political parties. Uh, this will uh, create the opportunities for political parties to compete uh, and to get into the parliament because the main message of the president is that the uh, opposition needs to be not on the streets but in the parliament. In terms of the economic reforms, uh, the uh, key message is that Kazakhstan is now engaged in the de-oligopolization and demonopolization of the country uh, to indeed create uh, access for all the uh, willing individuals and companies to participate in economic development, to get access to uh, proper and relatively cheap credit, and generally to cut red tape, etc. And in terms of the transformation of our society, the, the goal is to build a society where we uh, come back perhaps to the uh, cult of uh, labor, to the cult of education, to the cult of uh, uh, social responsibility, if we can call it a cult. But basically, the idea is to build a society which values hard work, which values knowledge, and which values hard labor, and which values social responsibility. So perhaps for the sake of time, I'll stop here, and I will be happy to participate in the discussion later. Uh, dear Roman, don't, don't worry. Uh, I'm sure most of the questions will be for you, and you, you will have plenty of time uh, to go uh, much deeper. Uh, when you said the Second Republic, uh, uh, do you mean like France now they are in the Fifth Republic? Uh, <laughs> and the constitution will be changed and 30 amendments to the constitution means uh, that amendments will be introduced into one quarter of the articles of the constitution. So it, it is indeed a significant change. And uh, well, according to our president, that is uh, tantamount to changing the political system. 
Luc Devigne, uh, you are French, uh, but uh, this doesn't matter because uh, uh, you represent the European Union, so we are not go going to discuss the five French uh, republics, uh, but rather the situation in, uh, in Kazakhstan and the relations with the European Union. Uh, uh, Luc Devigne, uh, with whom uh, as well we know each other for uh, many years uh, now is uh, deputy managing uh, director responsible for Eastern Europe and Central Asia in the European External Action uh, Service. Um, it's been a period, uh, COVID period and so on. Uh, we lost a little bit contact. So uh, if you can catch up with uh, the latest developments uh, in a few minutes, that would be much appreciated. The floor is yours. Thank you very much, Gorgi, and thank you for, for inviting us. And uh, good afternoon, honorable members of the European Parliament. Dear Roman, good to, to see you back in business, and ladies and gentlemen uh, in the room and, and uh, beyond the screens. Uh, first of all, let me certainly echo your words of sympathy for the victims um, uh, in Kazakhstan in, in January and in Ukraine uh, as of February, and unfortunately uh, ongoing. Uh, and what we're seeing with this attempted invasion by Russia of Ukraine, which has brought war back, is, is uh, an aggression against an independent sovereign state. And <clears throat> this goes against fundamentally uh, international order and the values for which we stand, including uh, independence of states, their sovereignty, territorial integrity, all values that we share with Kazakhstan. And uh, I would like to say also that this is much more than, um, as it is attempted sometimes, represented as Russia against the West. This is basically uh, President Putin against those who value uh, these uh, principles that I've just highlighted. And you have seen, of course, a very robust and, and quick reaction by the European Union in uh, what constitutes an unprecedented, uh, unprecedented package uh, of sanctions uh, far-reaching. Um, but despite... Um, the COVID, uh, despite the event also in, in 2000, uh, January 2022, we never stopped our cooperation with Kazakhstan, which is, uh, who is a strategic partner for us, a very important country. Um, of course, uh, the events in January raised a number of questions uh, in various uh, European Union circles. Uh, we've appreciated uh, the openness and the dialogue that's been um, engaged by Kazakhstan, and uh, we have received uh, more than once, uh, uh, not only, of course, uh, President Tokayev, which we, whom had, we had received in, in December, but also after the events, uh, uh, senior officials of his, uh, of his administration, um, uh, Mr. Suleymanov and Mr. Kazikhan, and this is much appreciated. It's also an uh, opportunity, of course, to discuss wider agenda. Um, I think to summarize on our position on these events is, um, one, it is important that investigation is being made in an in independent manner and that any human rights abuses, including by uh, law and order community, be investigated, properly uh, prosecuted, and that um, this shows also a different approach uh, by Kazakhstan, Kazakhstani authorities uh, from perhaps um, past Event. It's been often said that this was the uh, same as events that took place just more than 10 years ago. I think it's important for the Kazakhstani authorities to, sh to show that situation is different, approach is different, and result will be different. Now, coming back to what Roman was mentioning, which is this 16 uh, March speech by the, the president and the announced reforms, 
uh, and we had discussion. We had opportunity to discuss this in depth with uh, uh, our Kazakhstani friends, and we will do it tomorrow uh, during the cooperation committee that uh, Roman and I will co-chair, which will touch a very vast uh, number of fields of cooperation. Is there's 29 actually uh, chapters of cooperation in our bilateral agreement between EU and Kazakhstan. But we will also, of course, touch the, the political uh, situation. What will matter, I think, is uh, the implementation. I mean, the, 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 the principles or the intentions that Roman has just highlighted, I think, resonate very much with what lies in our bilateral agreement, with also what um, has been discussed outside the bilateral agreement um, during our contacts. Um, uh, we advocated and, and were very happy that it was set up um, a, a council with Kazakhstan authorities to discuss business problems, since you were mentioning uh, the oligarchization or demonopolization of the businesses. Uh, we have our human rights dialogue. We have a number of areas that you were touching upon and that upon which the constitution reform will, will also uh, touch upon are very much at the heart of our relationship. Uh, so, um, indeed, um, these events, um, how, how, no matter how sad they were or tragic they were or they are, uh, is also uh, represent also an opportunity for us to to take a, a new start with our relations. Although, uh, um, and I will finish by that to say that our relation has never been bad, um, uh, and and that EU and Kazakhstan have a long-standing, I would say, positive uh, relations, and that uh, contrary to what some have always tried um, to portray. Uh, our agreements on our relation with with countries, including countries who have notorious good relations with other ones are not uh, uh, aimed at a zero-sum game. I and mean, we never asked uh, others to, uh, to, to be less friends. Of course, um, in the sanctions uh, policy that the EU uh, has undertaken, it will be important that we see countries not trying to circumvent these sanctions. And we will be very vigilant in that. But for the time being, uh, we have discussed uh, with with, uh, with Kazakhstani authorities, and we will continue to discuss that um, they do not undertake circumventing. And for the time being, we do not believe they will do so. On the contrary, I think they plan to have a, a, a monitoring system uh, that would be uh, helpful and, and transparent in this regard. But again, like for the reforms announced in 16 March, implementation will be the key. Thank you. Uh, Luc Devin, I'm going to ask you a journalistic uh, question. I'm tempted to ask it because uh, um, there were a crisis uh, moment when uh, uh, Russia sent uh, troops uh, to Kazakhstan uh, in accordance with uh, the Treaty for the Collective uh, Security Treaty Organization. And uh, uh, if you can share with us, uh, you know, uh, how, how much worried you, you were at the External Action Service at, at that time. Uh, and uh, have you been reassured that uh, uh, well, nothing terrible happened. Well, by definition, since we respect the territorial integrity of, of independent states, we're not, go, we're not the, going to be the ones to tell the, the Kazakhstani what they should do or not do. What we're observing, of course, uh, with, uh, I would say, scrutiny and, and attention is, is two things. First, how long these uh, foreign troops stayed in Kazakhstan, and they seem to have le leave quite uh, quickly, so that's a good point. The second point is... Uh, the events in which they were involved, uh, these and other uh, law in enforcement, but also uh, uh, other people who took part in, in this violence. We were skeptical on some part of the official narrative, let's be, let's be honest with this. Uh, 
but we also uh, uh, believe that Kazakhstan uh, authorities were faced with something quite extraordinary. And uh, so again, what what matters is, is more how they will handle this. And if the investigation which has been announced will bring result in a transparent manner, uh, this will be positively appreciated. And of course, I cannot speak for the whole European Union because European Union uh, is very uh, vast. Uh, I can only speak for for, uh, for the high representative, but um, there will be, of course, scrutiny in amongst various member states and the European Parliament. Uh, you have seen the European Parliament took a very harsh resolution. Uh, of course, Parliament is independent, so we do not interfere with this. I, I'm sure, but let's say that we were very surprised that a, a resolution can already indicate and who's guilty and who's not before an investigation takes place. So our view is much more to to observe uh, the way uh, the Kazakhstani authorities will handle the consequences of this, uh, these events. So you, you helped me a lot because I'm going to ask, uh, of course, the a member of the European Parliament, Andris Americs, uh, whether this uh, resolution was uh, hasty, let me say that uh, Mr. Americks uh, represents the uh, Socialist and Democrat group in the European Parliament. He's from Latvia, meaning that uh, when uh, you were born and when Roman were born, you were living in the same country, uh, uh, which uh, I think helps for the mutual understanding. It helps a lot. Uh, uh, in any case, uh, yeah, uh, you have the floor. You have your uh, uh, short time for a, for a, uh, initial statement, but it will be really interesting uh, to uh, if you can share uh, with us uh, whether you personally find that this resolution wasn't a little bit uh, hasty. Uh, thank you very much, uh, my colleagues, uh, Mr. Deputy Minister, and listeners. Uh, I think uh, uh, the time now is so very difficult. Uh, it's absolutely understandable for everyone. And uh, first, I would like to um, underline one very important thing. The, as I understand uh, the relationship between uh, EU and uh, Kazakhstan were, was and is and will be so quite good. And we just uh, checking how we uh, support each other. Yes, uh, the very important thing uh, happened in uh, in uh, in January, and it's created some uncertainties. What happened in future? Because uh, uh, because it's uh, two ways. One is to go to authoritarian uh, regime, or as the same in different countries around. Uh, another thing is how they implement the new situation and uh, to propose some democratic uh, uh, reforms. And uh, I think uh, this is so important today. We will discuss two main topics. One topic uh, is uh, uh, about, um, how we say, uh, all the political reforms uh, uh, proposed by uh, President Tokayev. Uh, yes, it's so very serious, and uh, if we look now uh, what happened in the uh, in the mm, in the war uh, 
uh, it's absolutely uh, it's a brutal war uh, between Russia uh, coming invasion to Ukraine. It's so important for us to see how the neighboring countries uh, just uh, uh, just do what is possible today, uh, just create a new reform process, and uh, and this topic is in political field. Uh, uh, second, I think, is a economical uh, topic, uh, how they develop the economy, because they are so dependent sometimes from a Russian part, uh, and how uh, the all relations between from past, now they can go uh, ahead and just uh, find another partners and find the our separate economy uh, for future. And as I read today, for example, yes, the Kazakhstan informed uh, the whole society that they change a roots, economical roots, uh, not through the through the Russia, but uh, looking to Caspia, looking to uh, looking to Baltics uh, uh, country ports, just uh, to looking the another part of the economical field. I think uh, now uh, Kazakhstan is one of the Im most important uh, body in the Central European area. Uh, I think uh, the development of the Kazakhstan and implementing of the new reforms is important for our uh, relationship between EU and Kazakhstan and in encoding uh, this uh, war what created Russia in Ukraine. I think this is a one more obstacle how we just look at the, uh, the, uh, the at, uh, uh, approach of an other neighboring countries around the Russia. And Kazakhstan is one of the most important in uh, this case, what I can say in briefly now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I think that uh, uh, we will come back uh, to the uh, impact of uh, uh, the, the war in uh, Ukraine on, uh, on Kazakhstan uh, due to its, uh, 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 the type of the economic relations it has uh, with uh, the Russian Federation uh, being member of the Eurasian Economic uh, Union. Uh, by the way, I would like to say for our audience that uh, I discussed uh, these issues two days ago uh, with Timur Suleimanov, who is the first uh, deputy chief of the presidential administration. Uh, you can find the interview with uh, Euractiv and he, he gave uh, a lot of uh, of details on uh, the strategies of, of the country, uh, because uh, as he says, uh, uh, Kazakhstan is not part of this conflict, uh, uh, briefly speaking. But uh, uh, let's let's continue forward. Uh, uh, we uh, our panel has also uh, an online uh, uh, dimension, and uh, uh, the next speaker of, on my list is Dr. Christopher Primiano. Uh, he is uh, director, uh, China and Central Asia Studies Center, which uh, I, I uh, believe is based in uh, Almaty. Um, you have the floor, uh, Dr. Premiano. Okay, thank you very much, and thank you for inviting me for this. I really appreciate this opportunity. <clears throat> so um, I think it's important to distinguish between the changes that should take place in terms of moving forward versus the changes that actually will take place. Uh, because I'm skeptical that the changes that should take place actually will take place. And so for changes that should take place, both in political and economic fields. So for political, 
there needs to be both electoral democracy and participatory democracy. So for electoral democracy, for example, uh, you know, it's, as of now, there are no elections at the mayoral level for towns, for cities. Uh, just a couple of years ago at, at the village level that started, but right now there are no uh, elections for mayors of cities or governors. Uh, and the elections need to be competitive. Um, so in terms of electoral democracy, there should be significant reforms made uh, to allow for the advancement of electoral democracy. And then for participatory democracy, uh, currently, if people want to protest, and there have been numerous protests in Almaty in the past several weeks, um, but those protests have to be approved by the government. Um, and so it's good that the government approved the, these past, these recent protests here in Almaty. Uh, but there needs to be more room for civil society, for social movements to advance. Um, and so that is very, that is essential, both the electoral components and the participatory component. Um, significant changes should be made regarding those two areas. Um, and then in terms of economics, uh, I would say that more of a social safety net uh, it, because the, there's huge economic inequality in the country. I mean, the country's, according to the government's Gini coefficient, the Gini coefficient, which measures income inequality in a given country, is very, very low, but I'm skeptical of that. I do not think it's that low. Uh, it's, it, there's, because according to one study, you have 162, per, uh, 162 people in the country possessing more than half of the country's wealth. Uh, so that indicates tremendous economic inequality in the country, uh, low pay for many jobs. And so if we, for the, re the reason for what happened with the events of early January, starting off due to the uh, doubling of uh, liquefied petroleum uh, gas, uh, so starting off due to economic factors, discontent with economic factors, but then morphing into more political factors, um, be, the discontent with the lack of transparency here in the country. Uh, the lack, again, as we talked about before, the lack of electoral democracy, lack of participatory democracy. So both of these areas, a political economy approach is needed uh, in terms of preventing something like uh, an early January from happening again. Now, I recognize that democracy is not a panacea. As Churchill said, uh, it's the worst form of government except for all the rest. Um, and so nonetheless, uh, these types of reforms, in my view, should be made, uh, especially respect for property rights, rule of law, um, transparency, uh, that these factors need to be addressed uh, in order to move forward. And I'd be happy to, and just, and regarding the tax system, like the flat tax in which everyone pays 10%, uh, there should be a progressive tax system uh, in the country in which that funds can be distributed more in terms of uh, social spending, uh, in terms of benefiting the many, as opposed to you know, 162 people possessing more than half of the country's wealth. Uh, so I'd be happy to go into more detail about any of those during the debate session. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Premiano. All right, uh, last but not least, uh, Dr. Luca Anceschi, uh, uh, Professor of uh, Eurasian Studies, University of uh, Glasgow. The floor is yours, sir. Oh, 
Thank you very much for having me here and uh, it's great to participate in such interesting debate. So the, the six weeks that uh, were comprised between the events of January in Kazakhstan and the beginning of the Russian invasion uh, of Ukraine are to my mind the most crucial in the history of post-Soviet Kazakhstan because they really highlighted uh, the gargantuan tasks that are faced by the current administration. And um, uh, it is interesting that the, this talk, as, as in the title, Building Back Better. So, because I regard these events, these six weeks, as a clear watershed in the sense that what was before is no longer relevant now. So there has been a time of change. And I echo uh, all of the recommendations that have been made by the, the, the fellow panelists before, but I will make uh, two suggestions on how to uh, build Bad Becker, if you want. And one relates to the economy and the other one to foreign policy, but it's a very clear domestic implication. So I, I totally agree with Chris. This is uh, uh, it's, it's a matter of making the country the economy more equal by uh, eroding monopolies and uh, destroying the oligarchy that has been built in 30 years. But there is one more dimension which I think is probably more important and is trying to diminish Kazakhstan's reliance on energy, energy export, particularly in the hydrocarbon era. Uh, Mr. Vasilenko is uh, is young so he, as person in government this should be warring for the generation to come and to my mind the structure of the Kazakhstani economy now it's unsustainable for the longer term we would like to see Kazakhstan to be ready for the post oil economy because I I think that having a more uh, a less hooked economy on the oil and gas will make not only a more sustainable Kazakhstan for the generation to come but also a fair economy, because a lot of the monopolies that have been built in the last 30 years are built on the uh, energy sector. The second comment which I'd like to make, the uh, parts from a sentence which I believe Mr. Vasilenko himself said a couple of days ago, is that Kazakhstan does not want to be uh, behind the, the iron curtain, which is inevitably falling. And I welcome this remark. They clearly show that uh, multivectorism is still alive. This is a debate which we're having uh, quite publicly in, in the last few weeks, and but which shows that there is an intention to keep cooperating uh, with um, institutions and states that make of values uh, an important segment of the international dealings. And to this end, I would say that one of the first things which the, the government of the country sh should do, especially to differentiate what was before with what is now, is pursuing a serious, thorough, transparent investigation of the events of January to show what happened, who is guilty, who's, who's responsible, and what kind of uh, measures are taken into places. Uh, to uh, mend the wounds that are inevitably there. And I think that the only way in which we can talk about a new Kazakhstan 
is that if we make the events of January to be the starting point of New Kazakhstan, we don't just, I mean, the government does not just uh, hide everything under the carpet, but engage in a serious discussion with the population about what actually happened. And uh, because what we hear from Mr. Vasilienko and the president, in particular, President Tokayev, are, in my views, the right things, but they remain aspirational. I like, we would like to see, as Mr. De Vincent as well, we like to, to be concerned about the implementation. A new Kazakhstan cannot just be an aspiration in the mind of the government, has to have a practical dimension of transforming the society, the economy, and the political scene. And thanks very much for your attention. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ranceski. I would like to uh, ask you something immediately because I want to make sure that I understand you correctly. When you spoke about the Iron Curtain, you referred to the unprecedented sanctions against Russia that may be an Iron Curtain, or you had in mind something else? No, I was quoting what Mr. Vasilenko said a couple of days ago. It's fact that now, after the, after the, with the invasion of Russia, you have this inevitable division of word of pro-Russia and pro-anti-Russia or pro-something else. And there is uh, a clear division in the ways in which, you know, for instance, the, the Putin regime lists unfriendly countries. So, and Kazakhstan does not want to be in that direction. So uh, I don't think that it, may, it helps in any way, shape or form to uh, talk about those terms, but that's the kind of situation we're seeing. And if I got the words of the Deputy Foreign Minister wrong, I apologize, but I think that that's what he said. Thank you. Uh, now, uh, I would like to give you the possibility to react to what has been said, and uh, I will also invite the other panelists to react to what has been said. Then I will open up uh, for discussions with priority for uh, the people here in, in, in the room. Uh, then I'll follow with uh, those uh, online, uh, but uh, uh, Roman, you can react uh, to... Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, everybody, for your comments, and uh, Luke and uh, Mr. Amerix and uh, the two professors. Uh, clearly, uh, we understand ourselves that, uh, first and foremost, there needs to be a closure on the investigation, and uh, um, there is nobody more interested in uh, uh, turning the page on this by having the results of the investigation presented to the public and then uh, presented to the courts and reviewed by the courts and uh, authorized by the courts. Uh, there is nobody uh, more interested in this than, than we ourselves, the people of Kazakhstan, and of course the president of Kazakhstan and the government of Kazakhstan. So uh, you can be assured of that, that this investigation is done in the most thorough way uh, overall, uh, I, I need to tell this, that there are about 3,600 criminal cases now being investigated. Uh, the majority of them relate to theft, looting, uh, possession of firearms, uh, stealing of firearms, but there are also f 45 cases relating to terrorism and 15 cases relating to state treason. So uh, this is a very... Uh, serious investigation being done by the government, uh, by in fact four law enforcement uh, agencies. Uh, well, to give you an idea, uh, prosecutor generals investigate two cases, 203 cases of 
uh, torture that uh, uh, have been um, claimed by uh, the uh, victims. And uh, it is important also to highlight that these are cases investigated by um, the prosecutor general's um, office, meaning they are investigating the actions of the police. So um, no uh, issue is uh, uh, left unturned, shall we say, no stone is left unturned, as, as they say, and uh, uh, the government is committed and the president is committed to the most serious and meaningful investigation. That's one thing. The second thing, um, I can clearly understand why the two professors would be skeptical about uh, the uh, possibility of these uh, reforms being implemented. Uh, I would uh, suggest we meet again at the end of this year and we uh, uh, touch base uh, and, and check uh, what was done, what hasn't been done, because uh, I am telling you that the commitment of the president is to uh, pass all those changes before the end of the year. This is uh, very uh, fast, I believe. We only have 10 months left. And the uh, enormous legislative work that is ahead of us uh, is still ahead of us, but the, uh, the government and the president are not losing a, a single day. And in fact, today, the pre uh, today or yesterday, um, the president approved a nationwide plan to implement those reforms. So, of course, uh, people can be skeptical, people will continue to be skeptical, uh, and that's there, uh, that's uh, everybody's right to be skeptical, but I, I suggest we all uh, look at the results of these uh, efforts uh, in some time. Of course, it requires some time. In terms of uh, some of the specifics, I, I'd like to take on this issue that um, uh, Mr. Pranino, how to say? Uh, Primiano. Primiano. Primiano said about, about the fact that there should be direct elections of mayors. Um, maybe they should be. Uh, I don't know why there is such a clear conviction that they should be. Uh, for example, I was just uh, um, consulting with uh, uh, Mr. Devin just now. In, in France, uh, the prefects, uh, which is the governors, the governors or what are they? The governors would be political. Mm -hmm. That would be closer to other appointed. Okay. Because the mayors are political and they are elected. They are elected. But okay. prefets are appointed. Okay, prefets are appointed. Uh, in Kazakhstan, the governors of the regions are appointed by the president, and the president has now decided to make a step towards the election of the mayors by offering two options to the local assemblies to pick from, uh, and then he will be appointing those who are picked by the local assemblies. I will also highlight the major push to make the local assemblies more uh, directly uh, in touch with the people, more directly responsible to the people, and that is being done by the introduction of the direct elections, uh, not on the party list, but on the majoritarian principle for the local assemblies in districts. But also uh, there will be a 50-50% uh, now split uh, between the proportional system and the majoritarian system for the election of the local assemblies in, uh, at the regional level, 
and uh, at the uh, level of cities of national significance. And we have three such cities, Nur Sultan, Almaty, and Shimkent. That means that these assemblies uh, will have representatives uh, that are directly elected by the people, that are directly elected in single vote constituencies, and that means that they are more in, in touch and more responsible, more responsive to the, to the people. So that is um, a, a, a conscientious choice that the president has made to strengthen the representative part of the local governance. Um, I would also comment on uh, uh, the consequences, of course, of the, if I may already, of the um, sanctions being levied on, on, on Russia and the, their impact on Kazakhstan. Of course, we are reeling already. We are feeling the, Im the huge impact of these sanctions on our economy. Our national currency, Tenge, lost initially 22% of its value. Now it's trading at uh, 15%. Uh, less to the euro and to the dollar than a month ago. But this is just the, the, the tip of the iceberg because this, of course, leads to numerous other challenges to our economic develop our econ economy, which is extremely uh, closely connected to uh, the Russian economy. The EU, as we, uh, as we all know, is our largest trading partner as a bloc. But individually, it's Russia, of course, uh, which is the largest trading partner for Kazakhstan. And uh, whatever happens in Russia is multiplied and have a, a, a direct impact on what happens in uh, Kazakhstan's economy. So we are just in the beginning of uh, taking on these huge challenges which are now uh, going to be faced by the Russian economy. However, uh, I should say that uh, we are, of course, uh, members of the um, Eurasian Economic Union uh, with Russia. We are uh, members of the Collective Security Treaty Organization, which was mentioned here. Uh, but that means that uh, Kazakhstan has always been trying to pursue a multi-vector foreign policy, and we will continue to stay true to this multi-vector foreign policy. I did indeed uh, uh, give an interview to Die Welt, uh, which r ran a story on, on Monday. Uh, quoting me as saying that if there is a new Iron Curtain, we do not want to be behind it. And then I said, and that's why we hope that it doesn't fall again. And that's why we try to do our best also to, to prevent this from happening. Of course, we, we implement uh, mm, independent foreign policy. We implement uh, political reforms, which um, some, some would say they are tantamount to changing the the, the country uh, more in line with the Western uh, principles. Uh, in fact, our constitution was based on the French constitution originally, then it was turned into a super presidential republic. Now we're going back to basically wh where more or less uh, France is in terms of the structure of its political system. So we are, we are doing all of this, uh, of course, to strengthen the resilience of our country, facing the very strong headwinds economically, but we are doing it for our own uh, purposes. We, of course, welcome uh, critical comments and uh, constructive uh, engagement by the European Commission, by the uh, uh, scholars uh, such as Mr. Primiano or Mr. Ansetti, uh, but and there are many others. So we are more than welcome. We are more, more than open to. Uh, constructive criticism, 
constructive engagement. Uh, please uh, do continue to send those uh, ideas, requests and proposals uh, on all areas because they are um, all, of, all of them are being considered now. The country is also, in addition to political reforms, are developing a new economic course and the government is due to approve that uh, shortly. Um, uh, Mr. Premiano mentioned the progressive tax uh, regime. Uh, Maybe that is also being considered because indeed we had this flat rate, uh, flat, flat rate of 10% and maybe it's not that uh, fair to the richer uh, part of the population compared to the uh, more disadvantaged part of the population. So uh, the message is all issues are on the table. Uh, we are indeed in the beginning of this process. We are not uh, doing it for the uh, to please somebody else. We are doing it because we understand and our president understands that this is the only way forward. Uh, he said it uh, uh, publicly that uh, further economic development uh, in Kazakhstan is impossible without political reforms and he is uh, extremely committed to these reforms. So we come back to reviewing the and taking the, the stock of how far, how, how good we fared as suggested at the end of the year. Thank you. Uh, if there are no other reactions, maybe we, we shall move to uh, the Q&A. Uh, can I just respond uh, briefly? Yes, please. Okay, yeah, so please call me Chris. No need, no need to be so formal. And so I do appreciate the Deputy Foreign Minister engaging in this kind of dialogue. I, I do really appreciate this because I, I lived in China for five years and it was a, it's a very different story over there. So I, I appreciate this, uh, your, your willingness to engage in this kind of dialogue. Um, and then I'll definitely take you up on that offer to come back at year's end to see about, to assess the changes. And in terms of, regarding your question about, you know, why do I think there should be elections at the mayoral level or, or even the, at the governor level? Uh, this issue about holding officials accountable, for me, I think that is very important. And so people can feel as if they're holding their leaders, whether it's the mayor, whether it's the governor, uh, that they have the power to remove, to vote them out of office or to vote them back into office. Uh, so this issue about people feeling that they're buying into the system, that they're part of the system um, as a result of their actions uh, at the ballot box. So this whole issue about, hold, about accountability um, for me is, is, I think, very important and why there should be uh, you know, mayoral elections, uh, gubernatorial elections, uh, and so forth. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I have a question from uh, Alberto Turkstra, whom I can see here in uh, in the room. Uh, uh, he addresses it uh, to Mr. Vasilenko. Uh, what is your message to those organizations, Human Rights Watch and others, uh, that are still calling for an international or at least a hybrid uh, investigation into the January events. That's his question. I'm, I'm going uh, also to ask uh, on, on my part, uh, uh, Mr. Davinia. Uh, he said, uh, uh, he spoke about uh, an investigation in an independent uh, manner to show that the approach is different. Maybe you can elaborate uh, what kind of uh, investigation is is it compatible with, uh, uh, you know, Human Rights Watch uh, being part of it? Or, yeah. Um, so, um, Mr. Vasilenko, you have the floor first, and then Luke Devine. 
I will say that uh, we are uh, in uh, direct touch with Human Rights Watch. There has been uh, there have been several uh, rounds of conversations with Human Rights Watch. Again, a thing uh, unprecedented in the past, but uh, there are many things that are now unprecedented in the way Kazakhstan is uh, engaging with the world. Um, however, in terms of the independent investigation, I should say that the uh, Kazakhstan's legislation uh, clearly uh, explains how in the or um, speaking of the hybrid investigation, for example, uh, Kazakhstan's legislation clearly explains the rules for how independent uh, uh, experts can be involved in the investigation by the law enforcement authorities. And, and they, this is basically done uh, at the uh, level of uh, specific requests, specific uh, issues that experts are called upon to participate in the investigation. So basically there, are, there is no such thing as uh, independent investigation which can be uh, recognized by Kazakhstan's legislation or can be acted upon by Kazakhstan's uh, courts. And uh, as a matter of principle, I think that uh, uh, calling for an independent investigation uh, uh, means that uh, uh, there is a lack of trust in Kazakhstan's uh, law enforcement bodies, uh, authorities' uh, ability to conduct a fair investigation. That uh, skepticism, of course, is understood given the, uh, the past history, perhaps, but I would say that uh, in the new Kazakhstan, uh, that skepticism uh, should be also a thing of the past, and the way that the uh, investigations are concluded uh, in the not-too-distant future, I hope will uh, lay to rest uh, this skepticism. Ligdevin, is this a big issue, this independent investigation? It is. Um, it is, of course, um, not for us to to go into details who should be the investigators, etc. I think uh, uh, clearly we have called, but I think that ideally for Kazakhstan's reputation, calling international investigators would probably make things easier. Now, we heard from, and, and we suggested that. I wouldn't say we demanded it, certainly not, but we suggested that. Now, we heard very Quite early after the events, Kazakhstan authorities saying no, there will be no international investigations. Okay, uh, we take note of that. I think what will matter is the outcome of the investigation. We'll know if the investigation uh, is independent or not. And this is, I think, at the end of the day, more important. In other words, if only small guys uh, are convicted, uh, whereas you have events on a scale the massiveness of the scale, suggesting, uh, to say the least, some form of organization, that's a problem. If you don't have anyone, if you only have looters, etc., cetera, uh, who are convicted, and don't get me wrong, I don't say looters should not be convicted, looters should be convicted, but, for instance, there's no uh, law and uh, order officers who are convicted if there are cases of torture which have been documented, which is, have been widely circulated, Again, I'm not an investigator, so I cannot judge this, but the more cases widely circulated, the more likely it is to happen, even if I know all manipulation possible. Again, if there, there are, there's, there's nobody 
who's convicted or only very low guys, it is it is an indication. I mean, we all know how this works. Um, <clears throat> so I think Kazakhstan will be judged upon upon the outcome of this investigation. Uh, and and for surely uh, will be judged uh, and and scrutinized by the European Parliament, but this is not for me to to comment. But I know it will happen. Um, just to, to say a couple of remarks on what was discussing about the reforms. Um, uh, well, election of, of of governors. I mean, there's not really an equivalent in French system to governor. Uh, the prefect is really administration. Uh, by contrast, mayors, of course, are all elected. Uh, and also we have this Conseil de département and Conseil Régional. So I think what happens is that people indeed feel, I mean, I very much agree with the accountability uh, as, a, as a matter of principle, and this is, this is uh, valid for many, uh, I would say, um, parts of the states, including judges. Judges being independent doesn't mean they should not be accountable. There should be a, a system, if a corrupt judge is proven to be corrupted, that is removed. And uh, it doesn't happen often, but it happens sometimes. It doesn't mean the justice is not independent when there are cases like this. So I think this is really where the, the, the matter is. And I would like to say also that, of course, it's not for us to, to tell Kazakhstan how they should reform or how the constitution should or not be more or less copied than the Fifth Republic constitution. Um, but um, what we, as general in the EU, support is there are international organizations who have specialized offices, I'm thinking of DOEC, Office for Democracy and Human Rights, who regularly can be solicited opinions, etc. Uh, I think they should, be, they should be part of this. It, again, it will increase the, um, the credibility of the reforms, similar in Council of Europe, Venice Commission, I mean, we have all that. Uh, so I think, again, this, this, is, uh, this is important. And I, I would also say that more democracy doesn't mean less resilience. And if there's one country in which uh, I think, when I say this, is Ukraine. Uh, I think Ukraine is teaching the world uh, a lesson in resilience uh, f with the aggression they're facing, and uh, and uh, they certainly are, are democratic um, and also supported by, by the EU in these democracy efforts. Uh, last word, I mean, I don't know about the Iron Curtain comparisons. Um, all I want to say is that uh, this is not EU or the West versus Russia and its friends. Now, many countries are friends with Russia. We have no problem with that, including Kazakhstan. And you reminded Eurasian Union membership of Kazakhstan or CSTO membership of Kazakhstan. Similar, similarly, Armenia is in the same situation. Now, with both these countries, I mean, Armenia was on top of it in Eastern Partnership, and with Kazakhstan, we have agreed with far-reaching bilateral agreements despite that. So it is the evidence we don't do a zero-sum game. But, but the war in Ukraine is a different story. This is an attack on international law order about principles. And here, when you look at who is with, friend, with Russia, there are only four countries in the world. Four countries who voted uh, against these uh, resolutions um, uh, tabled by European Union member states and others. And uh, this is Belarus, Syria, Eritrea, and North Korea. And that's it. So it's not a question, I don't, I don't think we should confuse topics here. Um, uh, because the Iron Curtain was, was rather Russia and its friends. Here it's a different story, the, the dividing line, because we don't have a problems with Russia as friends, evidenced by, by our policy.
But we do have a problem that Russia violating international uh, law principles. Um, so I leave it at that uh, uh, for the time being. Thank you. Thank you. I have uh, more questions. I'm, I'm going to read uh, two of them. One is, again, from Alberto Turkstra. Uh, it's addressed uh, to Dr. Anceski. Uh, uh, he reminds that in January, uh, Dr. Anceski uh, wrote or argued that the presence of Russian troops on Kazakh territory ends the era of multivectorism in Kazakh foreign policy. And he asks, uh, considering that the CSTO intervention was quite limited and low profile, do you still stand by this uh, argument? Uh, the other uh, question I'm going to read uh, is uh, uh, for uh, uh, Roman Vasilenko. It comes from Miroshid Karshiev. Uh, the question is the following. Europe was one of primary destinations for Kazakh government funded Bolashak uh, scholars, that was a scholarship uh, program uh, in the previous period. And still, yeah. Uh, in January, President Tokayev uh, talked about reorientation of the program, sending young people to study at technical universities, as he put it, maybe primarily to Russia. Well, uh, can you clarify uh, the latest uh, developments? Personally, I'm not aware of this statement by the president, but. Um, so, uh, maybe uh, uh, Dr. Anceski will start uh, with the question whether you stand by uh, what you wrote uh, probably in January? Yeah, I do, even because what I wrote in January was the continuation of a research project which I had for 10 years. So, I wrote a book about Kazakhstan foreign policy. I have been skeptical about the multivectorism for a bit. Uh, because I, I saw that in the last 10 years, uh, the relationship with Russia became more and more prominent within the, the wider Kazakhstani foreign policy paradigm, not only in political terms, the intensity of the political ties, but all, also, perhaps most importantly, in economic terms. And that's the result of in, uh, expanded membership in the Eurasian Union. But so uh, I sort of stand with that with that position, even though I recognize that uh, with the situation in Ukraine, the, the context has changed again. And in fact, if I may ask a question to Mr. Vasilenko, which follows up from the one that I have just been asked, is that does the new Kazakhstan have a new foreign policy? Okay. Uh... You are doing my job. You are asking questions, but uh, that's that's good. That's very good. Uh, okay. Uh, so uh, two questions for uh, Roman Vasilenko. Uh, your question, which probably is a bigger one, and uh, the other one about uh, the Bolashak uh, scholars and the future of this program. Well, I'll perhaps ask uh, answer this question first. Uh, we have what is known as a concept of foreign policy. It was adopted. Uh, slightly more than a year ago, and uh, it remains the fundamental uh, document upon which our foreign policy is based. And uh, uh, we believe that it was a very solid, was, is, and will be a very solid uh, uh, principle upon which we have been building our foreign policy, which is a multi-vector foreign policy. It will continue to be the underlying principle of our foreign policy. So the new Kazakhstan 
will maintain the the policy because it was a and is a wise policy. I I, I firmly believe. So I uh, I'm afraid I can't uh, give you a, a nice sound bite <laughs> by saying that a new Kazakhstan will have a new foreign policy. Um, in terms of the Bolashak uh, uh, scholarship, it continues uh, in earnest. Uh, uh, the idea is to indeed continue to, to, to train um, students abroad. Uh, the idea, though, is to turn them more to uh, turn the attention more to the technical specialties. This goes back to what I was uh, saying earlier about uh, the. Um, the idea to instill in society the cult of labor, of hard work, of uh, the raise the prestige of the of the technical work, uh, because originally uh, in, uh, in the 90s, in the 2000s, we had so many uh, lawyers, economists, and I don't have anything against these professions, but uh, the 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 accent was made very heavily towards towards this profession. Now we need to switch uh, and turn uh, turn this uh, uh, around uh, into a, a, a larger focus on technical specialties. Uh, President Tokayev did mention Russia uh, as, the, as a country where uh, more students should go to study technical uh, specialties, but he also mentioned that Kazakhstan should open uh, branches of leading technical universities in Kazakhstan, and we are uh, talking to European countries to see which uh, universities will be uh, willing to to send uh, uh, to set up branches in Kazakhstan. So um, that also shows you that we are open to European uh, system. Kazakhstan is part of the Bologna process uh, for more than ooh, ten years now, I think. And uh, basically, our system of education is uh, based on the Western system of education and. Uh, uh, we we are more than open to, to, to such partnerships. You remember uh, when I said that um, most of the questions will be directed to you? That's, that's I don't think it's fair to Mr. Amerix who spends his <laughs> lunch here with us or to Mr. Devine. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like this. Um, uh, one of them is about Central Asia. Uh, how uh, the developments uh, with... Uh, Russian war in Ukraine is going to reflect on the situation in Central Asia. I know it's a big question, um, but we don't have much time. I think we have five minutes left. And the other question uh, comes from Dr. Abdul Rahim Abdul Wahid, the chairman of the Media Hub International. Uh, that could be a nice conclusion. Uh, how Kazakhstan is planning to build back uh, the full economic, social, and security life better. What was the one before that? Uh, uh, Central Asia. Ah, Central Asia. <coughs> well, I perhaps should say a few words about the dynamics in foreign policy, in uh, cooperation in, in Central Asia over the past five or six years, and uh, these dynamics despite the uh, some setbacks and conflicts on the border say between Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan last year but these dynamics ha has been more or less positive i should say and already three summits of uh, central asian heads of state 
took place uh, and uh, the next one is uh, planned for this year. Of course, uh, uh, there are many regional issues which we need to be uh, discussing uh, between the five countries. Uh, one issue, for example, of course, that is at the top of our agenda is water, water management. Uh, the other issue, of course, is um, dealing with Afghanistan after uh, the withdrawal of the West and the uh, extent of the Taliban to power. Um, there are, of course, issues about uh, raising uh, the volume of uh, direct of uh, internal intra-regional trade, etc. So this dynamics uh, continues. Uh, all the countries uh, uh, feel uh, th there is a great value in stronger regional cooperation and uh, in, str in stronger regional coordination of of efforts, including as the uh, aftermath of the. Uh, situation in Ukraine uh, becomes more clear for our economies. So uh, all of the uh, economies in, in Central Asia are uh, dependent on the situation in Russia in one way or another. Uh, Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan, uh, to the greatest extent perhaps, are dependent on the remittances of the labor workers, uh, of the guest, guest workers in, in Russia. Uh, so they are feeling a much, much stronger impact uh, even than Kazakhstan. So um, we will continue to uh, strong, stre uh, strengthen our cooperation in the region. We are also very much uh, um, uh, hoping that our cooperation with the EU in the EU and Central Asia format is also strengthened and uh, there are a lot of uh, programs that the EU implements in in cooperation with Central Asia. We appreciate all of them, such as uh, BOMCA or CADAP. Uh, and uh, uh, there is also an initiative on water. So all of these are very important. They will be more important going forward. By the way, what will be more also important is continued EU support for um, engagement with Kazakhstan by organizations such as, uh, Luke, you mentioned, ODIR of the OEC. We are more than open to this cooperation and uh, um, the ODIR is more than welcome to come. Uh, Venice Commission is also, uh, Kazakhstan is part of that and uh, we have never shied to ask for Venice Commission's opinions. In other words, uh, uh, we are open uh, to this engagement. Central Asia is uh, evolving as a uh, subject of the international uh, community, shall we say, and uh, its, its engagement with the European Union will be more important going forward, given what's going on uh, in relations between the West and Russia. Uh, um, I uh, don't know how to respond in uh, th 30 seconds this, to this the was question. The, this was the topic of the conference, yes. uh, uh, basically. Uh, I think that... Uh, uh, I was instructed to uh, to be very sharp uh, with the time. I think we uh, we have uh, maybe one minute uh, left. Uh, I would like uh, to give the floor uh, to Mr. Americks uh, uh, to uh, you know draw up uh, his his conclusions. Yes, uh, <laughs> I on, I would like to say very briefly. First, uh, politically, I think. Uh, 
only two weeks uh, before we know about these political uh, proposals for changing uh, many things. We can believe, we can't believe, uh, can or can't, but uh, it's so important for us. And I very appreciate these announcements for, uh, for all the proposals for, uh, for President of Tokayev. Uh, this is. We will see how it imp will implement, uh, but it's too uh, early to now to say we can believe or not to, uh, to believe it. And uh, second thing, uh, yes, uh, the delegation of Central Asia will plan to go to uh, Kazakhstan in the second week uh, in April, and also we will discuss about investigation of January's uh, all commitments from the Kazakhstan part uh, for clear transparency and transparent and everything what what happened in January. Yes, in, uh, in person. Yes, it's very important. And uh, but but I think now uh, I also like to. Un uh, underline it's so very important uh, Kazakhstan is a partner for European Union and we try to do how we just um, create our relationship in the situation when the war happened uh, so very close to the borders of uh, Kazakhstan and Europe and it's also very important for us so thank you very so much very we important. are we are all adapting Thank you very much uh, to uh, everyone. Uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, we are indeed uh, very sharp on time. Uh, thank you for uh, those who, who came uh, to the Euractive office. Thank you for those who followed us online. Uh, please read Euractive. Uh, we will uh, write a story uh, uh, relating uh, the debate. And yeah, um, read Euractive every day. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, and uh, by the way, Mr. Roman Vasilenko, uh, you had a fantastic Twitter feed uh, when uh, President Tokayev was. That was uh, a great source of information live. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody.